for September 22nd, 2014. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 325. I speak of the booty that is to come after me. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From L.A., California, I'm Matt Rather. Uh, I'm your host today with a great panel, including Ben Adams. Hey, Ben. Hey, Matt. Pete Fenzel. Hey, Pete. Hey, Matt. And Mark Lee. Hey, Mark. Uh, booty, 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 booty. <laughs> <laughs> that is the magic word today. Our question uh, of the week today is booty related. Have you noticed how all the songs, all the videos that these kids are listening to these days are about booty? I mean, we not have the pi- a... Not the pirate variety, right? No, but, um, <laughs> no not, the, not, not pirate booty in the Long John Silver sense or in the like delicious and addictive uh, you know, caramel popcorn sense. Um, it's caramel popcorn, right? Or pirate, pirate booty at, uh, at the supermarket. It's a, you know, quasi healthy snack food. Anyone? I think it's puffed wheat. Anyone? Sure. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, no, no, I've had it. It's, it's, it's definitely got something puffy. Not, something, not paleo. So I wouldn't know a, a single thing about it. Um, no, the pirates, te- pirate technology is far beyond anything cavemen could ever have come from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, corn and fire is, is that they couldn't. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, they, but they, I mean, pirates were probably, you know, sort of on the paleo diet. I mean, what did they have in the pirate ships? Hardtack and, uh, uh hardtack and, and like. Grog. <laughs> <laughs> and sodomy. Sorry. Is that, that's too soon. Too soon. Well, speaking of corn and fire, we're talking about butts. And the, uh, <laughs> and we're, uh, have you noticed that, that, and though we haven't, uh, we have a pop music podcast on Overthinking It, uh, we have not devoted an episode to all the songs about booty, but let's just, uh, catalog them, right? Booty is name checked in, uh, in All About That Bass, um, which I think is number one on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, as I, I, I should know that, I guess, but, uh, it's uh, it's number one. We have Anaconda, and we have Booty, the Jennifer Lopez song featuring Iggy Azalea um, about big booty. And I, uh, you know, I think you could even make a case that "Shake It Off" by Taylor Swift is participating in this discourse due to context. Uh huh. You're right. No, yeah, and, it very and much is. And there is a "Oh my God" in the uh, the song that is almost exactly the same as the "Oh my God, look at her butt" from uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot's. Mm. Uh, they got back. I, I, th- I think it's deliberate. I, I'd be shocked if it was not. It's a song that claims to be about haters, but is really about glute- gluteus maximuses, as <laughs> gluteal maximals. Glutei, what, is the, glutei, what is the William Sapphire? Gluteals maximus? Gluteus maximus? I suppose like <laughs> gluteus, gluteus maximi. I mean, are we, uh, we're doing it, we're Latinizing it. So if it's the gluteus maximus, then it would be like, yeah, the gluteus. What is yeah. Latin, Latinizing it? I mean, there's no izing to, to be done, right? It's just plain old Latin, isn't it? Well, I guess what the words become a, the butt becomes the words in Latin becomes the meaning in English, uh-huh. right? You, you sort of and then you, to go back, you have to go back to do you have, if you're going back to the butt, you have to go through Latin to get there. <laughs> I guess la, Latin butts. Never mind. This yes. is, <laughs> oh goodness. Bum, bum, speaking bum, speaking bum. of Latin butts and Jennifer Lopez, the uh, no, sorry, that that was too much. That was you know actually that was too good. That yeah. was like. 
too good of a segue. And Not we don't to do it. Yeah, up. don't yeah. don't send me hate mail for that one. That, that it just I, it was right there in front of me, dangling. <laughs> dangling. <laughs> dangling is or a jiggle, word to use. <laughs> jiggling. I suppose yeah. the the joke was just jiggling in front of me, and I had to you know uh, reach my re- I had to grasp it in my two hands. Um, so uh, we've I I feel like this booty trend is is played out. Uh, so after big booties, what's the next big thing? <laughs> Two, three, four, five. What's uh, in other words? What is the next body positivity trend? Right? What is the next positive message about body image, or uh, the next sort of big subject? <laughs> big subject um, that songs can uh, that songs can congregate around. Popular songs can congregate around and celebrate. I guess we're we're going to make a million dollars here because we are going to predict the future of pop music. So if if Max Martin is in our audience, you know you're welcome. Mr. Uh, Mr. Impresario. First in the alphabet, what's the next big thing in pop music? Ben Adams. Hey, so I, I think, I mean, like everything, you, you always have to follow the money, right? I mean, like that's, that's how you answer any, any question, any conspiracy theory. And so what are people spending money on? What are, what are people paying money to, to enlarge? And I know it, you know, it was breast implants and booty implants uh, and now calf implants uh, from what I hear is, is a thing. So I think that's going to be the next big thing is, uh, we're going to shift away from the, the male gaze to the, uh, the female gaze on the male calf. And, and so that's what we're going to hear next is about uh, flexing that calf or, or something along those lines. Uh-huh. And I can, I can see the music videos with a lot of baby cows, right, in a field <laughs> you know, with, with uh, just male models shot from the knee down, right, participating in the objectification of the male form by having all kinds of interchangeable legs, you know, and one leg, one leg being as good as it, one leg being as good as another. And then the, you know, I don't know, the baby cows sort of wander through the, through the shot. I haven't worked the whole thing out. I'm more of an idea guy. Someone is going to have to take that and, and really develop it, kind of ideate on that until the, the thing can you, but Ben, could you see the, the, like the uh, sort of agrarian setting of this calf video? Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, because you, you can have it like be a this, this could be a crossover country hit, you know, with a uh, with trucks and, and things like that. And also in the background <laughs> tractor. Yeah. Tractors. Right. Like John Deere. Right. Exactly. John Deere tractors. And the, there's a whole product placement uh, thing going. And it's about the um, it's about the the, you know, farm subsidy bill or something like that. And how like, <laughs> you know, too much subsidy for corn uh, leads to big calves or or leads to calves that aren't big enough. I don't know. I corn and fire we're back we're back to that full circle <laughs> pete fenzel next in the alphabet oh well thank you very much i appreciate I, I was i was uh i thinking i already had written the lyrics to one of the hit songs for ben's trend but i was trying to look up to see whether i was correct or not in my determination i believe the words went gams 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 uh but it turns out that gams uh, at least according to urban dictionary are thighs huh. not calves i never I, I know of them primarily as legs as viewed by private detectives right right like i don't know what specific part of the leg it ever refers to i thought it was Although, i thought it was the whole leg i thought it was from like the ball and socket hip joint all the way down to the uh to the you know phalanges of the toes so all the way from the ball and socket hip joint so like including parts of the 10 
tendon and the lower. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at the online etymology dictionary, one of my favorite websites, etymonline.com, and it cites gam as a noun meaning a leg from 1781. Uh, legs, low slang, the same word as gam, leg of an animal on a coat of arms, G-A-M-B. Huh. And ultimately from the Middle English gam, G-A-M-B for leg, from the Old North French gamon. Now in English, now in American English slang, especially with reference to well-formed legs of pretty women, but this is not the original sense. Uh, gamon means ham or haunch of a swine, so it kind of means haunches. Oh, and gamon, hands. gamon is is cognate, I guess, to hamon, to you know, J A M O N, right? Yeah, like with Michael Jackson, like come on now, come on. <laughs> <laughs> or or with uh, yeah or with Weird Al right like ham on ham on ham on whole wheat all right all right yeah exactly definitely um so I think that I mean Ben's case for it being you know the thing that people spend money on that's a that's a really great case and I'd have difficulty fighting that case um the thing that because because a couple ideas came to mind and I won't speak them lest other podcasters wish to use them. But when I was thinking about other things that could be big and sort of ostentatious in big ways, and I also thought about some of the other recent trends in pop music. One of the big uh, sort of trendlets in pop music, uh, and it mostly, I ascribe it almost entirely to Kanye West, is sort of the iconography of sceptered monarchy, right? So like crowns, thrones, mm-hmm. all that stuff from the Watch the Throne album, all that stuff around that. Uh, I'm thinking that we might see a combination of women and female artists looking to flaunt something large and ostentatious that they spent a lot of money on, and the language from the previous trends of male artists talking about themselves as kings and queens, and I think that the answer will be crowns in reference to very large, ornate hats with lots of layers on top of them, like you would wear to church or to the Kentucky Derby, right? Like, so you get a giant hat with, like, you know, you get, like, sort of lace wrapped around it. Crown, uh, it generally is referred to uh, as the kind of hat that an African-American woman, oh, especially an older African-American woman would wear to church when she was dressed very formally, right? She'd have a church crown, right, which is sort of a giant, mighty garment that would rest upon her head. And so I I'm, I'm think it might, what we might see is uh, – I'm thinking – I'm imagining giant hats. I'm imagining, like, women in very little clothes on horses with giant hats because of the Kentucky Derby because people ride horses at the Kentucky Derby and people watch it and they wear giant hats and they drink mint juleps and all that stuff. And I think that, that stuff is ripe for appropriation too, right? The sort of um, – the, the semiotics of Southern gentry being appropriated by danceable hip-hop, I think, is something that might happen in the next, uh, in the next year. Just by, by virtue of it being something that I can imagine could possibly happen, I think it will happen. Isn't that how prognostication works? Yeah. You just sort of, like, conceive that it might happen, and in that case, you have your assurance. No, I mean, I, I think that's like – I think I can hear a hook that's like, put a feather on it. Put a feather on it. Put a feather on it. You know? Can't you like you're welcome, audience, by the way, because that's gonna be in your head for the rest of the day, right? Um put a feather on it. Put a feather on it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. DJ Milliner is a great name for a future rapper. <laughs> so. Aberdasher. Aberdasher, I just matter. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm sorry. I just want to call out Brim Jobs in case I stomped on that uh, in the audio of the podcast. I meant to sort of slip it in underneath uh, the various other things that were being said. But oh, well. sorry. That's, uh, yeah, that's... Well, future generations, if this is the only thing that survives the apocalypse, uh, future historians, you're welcome. Thank that's, you very much. That's my lack of taste. All right, Mark. Lee, next in the alphabet. Okay, earlier I thought that we were focusing on parts of the body, uh, like the booty, 
Um, and when Where you know, I, just, people... I didn't pay attention to the rules. I'm sorry, Mark. No, 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 no. It's great that you opened up all these different possibilities because um, I was struggling a little bit to think of a good body part uh, that you know could be celebrated for his largeness. Um, I was thinking the ear uh, for obvious reasons because the ear, you know, you actually use them to enjoy music, and the larger your ears, the better you can listen to the bass and the you know other the frequencies of music as well. Also, my my wife is involved in the. Uh, the um, practice of medicine that involves the ears. And so the more people that want to get ear implants and make their ears larger, uh, the better that is for her profession. Um, so that is certainly a conflict of interest. I'm going to avoid that and uh, uh, take uh, the route that Pete mentioned with sort of fashion. Um, and I think that's big shoulder pads are due for a big comeback. Um, and if you think about like it, basically everything else from the eighties in terms of, um, uh, of style and clothing, has come back, right, in terms of washed jeans, uh, denim, uh, and all uh, all parts of the body. Uh, it's all there. It's all big. Um, but uh, there's, it was actually, uh, I was looking at an article from the New York Times Magazine about Gary Hart um, and his uh, uh, 1988 presidential aspirations, which were uh, brought down by scandal. And uh, there's a photograph of his entire family and the shoulder pad action on that. I mean, the shoulder pads, uh, only thing that could match the size of the shoulder pads, the size of the ambition of that family. Um, and yet I look around at the streets of Williamsburg and other places where eighties clothing, uh, is expected to, uh, be making its uh, resurgence. And I do not see the big shoulder pads and I'm waiting for it. And I think, uh, it's time has come. Give me that shoulder pad. You can pat my shoulder pad. I'm working on it. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, recently participated in, in a, um, in a commentary, a free uh, alternative movie commentary that you can find online, uh, along with our friends at Super Enthusiast Radio and and geeks like us who do midnight movies of uh, sort of geek uh, classics and uh, record commentaries along with them. So if you are going to the movie and you're unfamiliar with it, you can just watch the movie. If you're super familiar with it, you can listen to the commentary. And I, I participated in one of these on Howard the Duck, which is having a resurgence and has had a couple of screenings around the country, uh, one in L.A with geeks like us and then uh there was another one in austin at the alamo draft house um sponsored by the uh uh the podcast giant size um because of of howard the duck's appearance uh, in an unnamed spoiler free location in case you haven't seen a certain film yet um but howard the duck made rather a sensational appearance in a uh uh in a pop culture property and so everyone's everyone's talking about about howard the duck and uh, i watched this this film in the 80s fashion was absolutely incredible and and shoulder pads is definitely i that's definitely uh, a thing due for a uh, due for a comeback i think right i, I really like, thought the film interpreted the title the fault in our stars way too <laughs> directly and literally i think it's more figurative <laughs> 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 the fault in our stars is a duck that comes from space <laughs> 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 yeah, I, it was a little known fact. It was a remake. The uh the Fault in Our Stars with Shailene Woodley it was a remake of Howard the Duck. Um also cancer. Oh, not funny. God, wow, over two tonight. Uh all right, mine. Um I uh I want to um I, you know, I, I want to actually stay – I want to stay with the body, right? Like, and I want to stay with the message of, like, body positivity and actually celebrating. So I I thought, like, I want to consider um, 
what I would like to be body positive about, what I would like to sort of turn my insecurities around on and, and to sort of turn the objectifying spotlight, you know, on myself and on, on the male sex, uh, you know, because too often it's, well, almost all the time, let's be honest, it's turned the other way. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm podcasting here. I'm sitting at the microphone. I'm tilting my head down and looking down and I see, you know, like, uh, a couple years ago, I went through like a period where I was super, uh, super disciplined about great diet, and I was feeling great because I was I was eating well and I was exercising a lot, and um, and just because of busyness and and uh, work and a lot of stuff going on in life, I've I've fallen off of that uh, because you need time in order to do that, and that's the that's the one thing I I don't have uh, except as a spice in my spice cabinet. Um, so the, uh, the, uh, the thing that happened to me was I start, when I gain weight, I start right around the middle. I start right, uh, with the, it starts right at the waistline. Um, so I'm, I'm proposing that we, we have a, a set of songs that celebrates, um, uh, you, we can call it either gut or paunch or, you know, I don't like belly. Belly sounds too like. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem seem right. I hear like beer belly, something like that. You know, like but like uh, gut or paunch or midsection. You know, like from the uh, from the bottom of the rib cage to the uh, uh, you know to the top of the hips or something like that. Right, like right right in that in in that section. Um, but all on all on dudes, right? And and I just see the the video as being a bunch of like uh, you know close ups on a bunch of of punchy dudes midsections. Uh, I think it could be huge. I mean, don't you think every who could resist that, right? I think that because the word belly is the one that makes you uncomfortable, that's the one that's going to be in the song. Oh yeah, this probably because that way it'll get everyone's attention. It'll be awkward, and people will be like, "Belly, that's a weird thing." I don't like it when she's talking about her or tummy. Tummy is a good one, right? That word, that word used by adults for other adults, like really bothers me. Um, and, and it- <laughs> yeah, it really does. Well, it's these, it's the diminutive, right? It's because it sounds not adult. It's the diminutive ending on like belly, tummy, you know, things like yeah. that. Whereas like gut, like that's a man's word, you know. Yeah, but gut. man's music is dead. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Ao no, Scott, Ao Scott told Ao Scott told us so last week. Anyway, yeah. Oh, that's true. Ao Scott's always right. <laughs> and, and also, if according to Ao Scott, if man's music is dead, adult music is dead because yeah. <laughs> the, the definition in that article was one and the same. <laughs> no, Kanye West will get fat, and then that's when the gut song will happen. It'll be about how guts are the best thing in the world. <laughs> it'll be by Kanye West about Kanye West, and it'll be awesome. Uh-huh. Does anybody have a good Kanye West impression? I'm going to work on it here, even though I'm not sure how good mine is. It's like a little nasally thing, right? Something, something, tummy. It's something, <laughs> something, tummy. No, it's just, it's, uh, it's like a sample from I Am A God, <laughs> hurry, repeated over and over. It's like, hurry up with my damn croissant. Hurry up with my next damn croissant. Hurry up with my third damn croissant. croissant. <laughs> I love it. I love croissants. Croissants are great. They are an underrated breakfast food. That is for sure. And the, yeah, that's so. That's that's my um, that's my proposal. All right, on to overthinking other things. But first, a couple of exciting things going on on overthinking it that I want to call out and make sure you are aware of. Uh, first of all. Um, 
the Overthinking It book club uh, is back. Yes, that's right. Two, two, two book clubs in one year. I don't even know what what possessed us, and especially when you hear uh, what we're going to be covering. But Ben Adams, uh, who is leading the book club, who is our our book club moderator, book club president, uh, Ben, I'm given to understand that the book club is not even focusing on a book at all. What is this shenanigans? That, that's right. You you need to have scare quotes around the book club. You need, yeah. you need to put that little. It's hard to do an audio, but you need, you need, it needs to be the book quote unquote club now, uh, because yes, we are doing a book club about a video game, Final Fantasy VI, uh, which I, I am informed by reliable sources, uh, i.e., the overthinking it comment threads, that uh, when it came out for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, it was Final Fantasy III. So if you're dusting off an old actual cartridge. It's Final Fantasy III. Oh, that's that's going to be interesting. I mean, I think there could be a whole forum thread about like how are you going to play? How are you going to play this game? Right, yeah, and there, there are also is. multiple yeah. translations uh, available. And uh, the, I think we're, our best bet is just to we'll each kind of play our own, and we will talk about what the different translations are. Yeah, there almost isn't a uh, there almost isn't a, a a canonical one. And I mean, I guess you could have conversations about that about what the uh, uh, about what the best way to, um, uh, you know, I don't know what it, what it means to to sort of not have a canonical source in English, right? I mean, I guess any work in translation is uh, that's a thing that you face, right? So we will we will be talking about all of those things and more. Uh, starting, we will start with our first episode next month. I think October fifteenth. We'll, we we won't have uh, talk about much of the game's plot yet. We'll just kind of talk about. Uh, video games and what the plan is and then on uh, october 22nd we'll be we'll be off and going yep um so uh there is a post on overthinking it that you can uh that you can get the plan you can get the schedule and there are some links uh there is an ios version of the game though i was informed on the overthinking it facebook page by the way follow overthinking it on facebook uh if you don't yet because we um post things that uh come on overthinking it we post things that are just interesting to us uh and we can you know have discussions in the comments and stuff like that and the overthinking it writers and the overthinking it uh community uh weigh in on a number of things um uh I'm given to understand that the uh the iOS version is quote unquote remastered which means that there there's new music and graphics uh which which strikes me as being you know against uh against the whole point there there are some uh, discussion of discussion about that uh, there, so uh, you'll find links uh, to everything you need uh, in the post on overthinking it, where where this is introduced, uh, and that is super exciting. The other thing that is going on in overthinking it is we uh, are launching an email list. I talked about this a little bit last week, but briefly, once again, uh, overthinking it is going to send you uh, exclusive overthinking available nowhere else in your inbox and once a week you can get a uh, a little uh, bit of of overthinking a a short article and then some links to other things uh, that are happening whether they are uh, links to the overthinking it archive so that we can sort of review a topic together whether they're, they're links to other places we have a lot of ideas uh, for the uh, email list that involve sort of exclusive content uh, exclusive merchandise this may be the only way uh, the only channel through which we communicate certain things. And it's a way, you know, 
for the overthinker who has everything, for the overthinking it completist, um, to uh, you know g- come into the clubhouse, take another step deeper into the overthinking it clubhouse, um, where I promise you there is punch and pie. So uh, we haven't sent out the first issue yet. You have maybe 48 hours if you are an overthinking it completist, if you want to have every, uh, every issue of the newsletter, you should sign up and there will be a, uh, there's a uh, sign up form on the homepage of overthinking it. Uh, that's the overthinking it email list. And please subscribe right away. Um, so uh, you were talking about the, the booty video, uh, Pete, the, specifically, the, the, I mean, which one? There are so many. The Jennifer Lopez, Nikki Azalea uh, booty video. Um, what, and you had, a, you had a problem with it. What, what is your problem with the booty video? Yeah, this is a problem. I've actually mentioned this to a couple of friends in real life, mentioned it to my girlfriend. So, you know, full disclosure is on board with this. And I am welcoming any and all suggestions for this particular, I suppose at this point it's a hypothetical pop culture problem. So, okay. So in the booty video, you start with Jennifer Lopez. And this is the booty remix. I believe the original involved Pitbull. Pitbull is not on the remix. Uh, in the remix, you have Jennifer Lopez talking about you know girls with big booties. They go dancing. They want the guys to go dancing with them. They have big booties. Everybody thinks they have a big booty. Great. Awesome. And then you have Iggy Azalea come in. And then she does... <laughs> there, is no, there is no ulteriority, right? There is no like hidden metaphorical level. It's like they perceive big booties and in fact, they have big booties. Right. Uh, like I mean, that's 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 sort of that is sort of true. It's not as much about just having a big butt. It's it's also about big bo- booty as sort of an extension of dance, right? Like a, a little bit. Like, oh, you got a big booty. You got a big booty. You got a big booty. Go on the dance floor, right? So it's like there's an implied instrumentality to booties related to dancing, which is I think implied in a lot now, which is different from the implied instrumentality of booties in All About That Bass, which is about you know the storage of nutrients. Right, which is about like, and also about accepting your body shape, right? But it's like in all about that bass. The bass is it sort of goes the other way, where the music. Well, uh, is I mean, used. it's yeah. Sorry, Pete, I didn't mean to interrupt. In in uh, in all about that bass, it's uh, the boys like a little more booty to hold at night, right? So there's almost a sort of uh, there's a kind of heteronormative uh, normative claim made about booties, right? Like booties are better um, because uh, they are more fit for holding at night by boys. Well, that's because all about the base is about love. Yeah. It's about being loved. It's about self-love. It's about other people loving you. I'm all about that base. I love my thickness, right? Is what that means, right? And so that that's a different topic where you're sort of you're almost you know, the music is sort of speaking metaphorically, right? The 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 vehicle is the music and the tenor is the body. Whereas in the the Jennifer Lopez Azalea video, right? Like the body is the uh, vehicle and the tenor is the music, sort of, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, move your booty, move your booty, move your booty, which really sort of means music is happening, dancing is happening. But they also talk about big butts. It's not, it's not that different. It's just sort of like general leanings in one way or the other. But the main thing is that you have – the thing I was, I was asking about is, uh, is you have – oh, well, then you have Taylor Swift, shake it off. I have to complete it, right? And this, is, this will go back to what I was talking about. Taylor Swift, shake it off. Right. Oh, my God. It sort of seems like it's sampling Sir Mix-a-Lot. But there, the shaking of the booty, right, is, uh, is referenced in, in relation, sort of in sort of sideways relation to the shaking off of criticism, uh, the shaking off of, of scrutiny and other sorts of phenomenon of the, of the cinema, of the uh, celebrity, paparazzi, the haters online, the social media landscape, the world under the micro. 
microscope, right, uh, and all that other stuff. So you see the booty is being enacted in various different sorts of ways in each of these songs. Um, in the Jennifer Lopez Iggy Azalea song, they're talking about girls with big butts, they're talking about their own big butts, uh, and they're talking about dancing. And um, they have, you, have, you have Jennifer Lopez and you have Iggy Azalea, and, and then the song is over. Right, you have Jennifer Lopez, Iggy Azalea. Song is over. Um, this drives me nuts. Right, it drives me nuts because you need a third. You absolutely need a third. You, you. There's, there's a, the saying in doing kind of Harold improv, which I direct and and stuff like that is, you know, a patterns rules of threes. Patterns happen in threes, right? You establish the first element of the pattern is power. People, anybody who knows improv who's hearing this, especially shout out to Rachel Klein, who always talks about this, one of the directors and teachers uh, of my of my theater in the past and now indie groups and other stuff. Um, the first element is power, right? The first the first thing in the pattern get has all of the power to direct some sort of direction in the pattern, some sort of information in the pattern. Um, uh, oh, sorry, it's freedom. Sorry. First one is freedom, right, where it's like, I can do anything I want. The second one is power, where they can say, like, I can determine in what direction the thing that the first person said is going to go. And then the third one is responsibility, where they're like, I have to look backward at the past two, and I have to fulfill the pattern that they've established, right? So in this case, Jennifer Lopez's freedom. She can talk about whatever she wants. She chooses to talk about her big butt, other big butts, dancing, all that stuff. And then Iggy Azalea is power. She comes in and she says, I also, in fact, have a big butt, and I also like dancing, and, I, and also guys like me and all this other stuff. So uh, I'm going to draw a connection between myself and Jennifer Lopez, the two of us, right? Oh, look, there's a connection. And then okay, you've established it, you've sort of given it a direction, and then it needs some sort of culmination. It needs some sort of recognition, even though the song is built around pairs, and there's lots of pairs of things, right? Like, uh, this is a whole... This is the, the butt does not have three cheeks, but the dragon has three heads. Uh, I mean... That's not neither here nor there. But the point is that I feel like this song desperately needs a third person. Well, Pete, um, I, so I just want to propose something, that, that the responsibility uh, lies with the viewer. That is to say, it, it, right, like the, the song is a call to action, and there is a conspicuous lack of a rule of three uh, or of a, a third term because you are the third term. And it is, it's incumbent upon you <laughs> to go out and, and shake your booty. Does that song actually say that? Did you? I mean, well, I mean, I, th- I think that there's the a call. I think that. that the call to action is implied in the song, well, right? Like, say what you got a big booty, big big booty. What you got a big booty, big big booty. What you got a big booty. Big, it does say shake that. Go to work. It says go to work. Uh-huh. But I don't know. It says go to work at the beginning too, right? Like oh, I guess it says go to work. I don't know. Really? I feel like, I just feel like. Go to work. How can you, I mean, how can you, that's almost like, that's practically sacramental, Pete. That's like, you know what I mean? That's like establishing a ritual. Go to work. The great work awaits you, you know? Well, no, I mean, go to work. Have you listened to this song? (laughs) I feel like you haven't listened to this song. So go to work. The interesting thing about go to work in this song is it is said in a different intonation than a lot of the other words in the song and is clearly connected to the Britney Spears song, Work Bitch. Right, uh, which you know, which was a big surprise. Yeah, sure, or Iggy Azalea's work off the new classic, right? Well, right, right, right. But then, of course, but it's all related to like, uh, you know, what is that? Work it. What is that song? Work it. Cover girl. Work that girl. Uh, what is that? Oh man, you know the song I'm talking about? Uh, oh gosh, it goes way back. I'm like googling it right now. Um, Supermodel by RuPaul. Uh, a 1992 song, uh, which says... Um, Wait, RuPaul was, was uh, releasing things in 1992? Oh, yeah. RuPaul goes way back. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so, Good yeah. on her. Man, yeah. like, way so to have is, staying power. 
That so she is RuPaul, she is an actress who works. It, that is, <laughs> that is an get it. That is in fact an actress who works. Get it? Yeah. And who but, works so, it? So if you've ever heard the song, the lyrics to this song go work. Turn to the left, work. Now turn to the right, work. Sachet, chante, right? Like, if you've probably heard this song before, work it. Supermodel, you better work it. Girl of the world, right? Um, and it's, it's very tied into LGBT queer culture, drag culture, gay culture, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of stuff that Lady Gaga did before she was famous, right? Like, uh, playing those kinds of clubs, that kind of, kind of music. And so that, that I felt was in a, and of, and of course the Iggy Azalea song as well, are like appeals to that part of dance culture. Right, which is so important to the success of artists like Lady Gaga, uh, and which Jennifer Lopez historically, I don't think, has been a major figure in. Uh, but you know, whatever, she can cross over. And Iggy Azalea is just jumping on whatever bandwagon will have her, uh, which I don't, I don't begrudge her because she is also uh, she's a singer who works, um, even if you know she's working with other people's tools. I mean, you know, I you know I work with I work with all sorts of of other people's tools like hmm. craftsmen and. Um, anyway, I don't want to name other tool companies what? for fear of making an off-color joke. Uh, um, uh, sure, I guess I guess so. I mean, I work with a lot of tools. In- <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, yeah. No, but I do, I do think I don't think that the song I don't think that the song modulates to a point where it says, "Hey, now you do it. Now you do it." To the extent that it it tells the uh, the listener to do something, it says it from the very very beginning. Right, you're saying right? that that uh, crank that soldier boy has a uh, has a more sort of politically has a, a more political call to action than uh, than booty. Um, because crank- now it says you. You! It's you! I would say that at no point... All right, so what, we're, so what we're talking about is the Captain Planet moment, right? Which is at the very end of the episode of Captain Planet where he goes, the power is yours! Right? Where it's like, you know all these things that you just watched these entertainment demigods do? You can do them in your own life! Right? And it's like, you can also... I don't, I don't hear that when I listen to this song. I don't. Um, I don't. I don't hear any sort of. I feel like there has to be some sort of modulation into saying that, into putting the the listener back in the center of the big booty. Yeah. So to- let me throw out another example okay. uh, of this phenomenon. I think that you're describing Pete in terms of uh, going back to the improv, right? In terms of introducing something and then um, uh, sort of magnifying its effect and then um, sort of spreading it outward. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing and probably perverting what you're talking about, but that's, um, uh, that's the sense that I'm getting. And uh, a video that does a really good job. Music video does a really good job demonstrating this is Gangnam Style by okay, yes, uh, yes, by yes. My, my Korean compatriot Psy. Right. Okay. And for those of you who um, who have um, erased the memory of that video from your uh, from your mind, was it two years ago? It felt like a lifetime ago that that video is everywhere. Anyway, like the idea is that uh, you know the. His Gangnam style, he introduces it himself, and then you see it constantly spreading and doing his Gangnam style thing in all kind of wacky places, in the sauna, in the subway. And then finally at the end, you guys remember this, right? He comes out with dozens of uh, Korean people, including, like, you know, dressed in everyday stuff and also the traditional Korean costumes, and everybody is doing the funky dance. And that is sort of that, that final thing where, like, where he says, you know, be the Gangnam style you want to see in the world. Yeah, um, yeah, that sort of spreading act. It's a very literal thing there because there's, you know, he literally leads the entire nation of Korea um, in, in this dance. Um, but uh, I guess what you're saying is that neither the the lyrics in this song nor its visual presentation in the video have that sort of outward directive to it. No, because well, because the viewer is the observer, right? Right. Like the the video is very voyeuristic. 
Yes. Uh, an extreme, it's the most voyeuristic video I've ever seen in my life. Like, even more so than uh, I Want You by Savage Garden, which is all about, like, dystopian voyeurism and the sort of sexy 1984-style police state of some kind that uses some sort of strange sort of soft rock steampunk technology. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, other than soft, soft rock steampunk technology notwithstanding, it, like, the beginning of the video where they count down, right, and they go, like, you're about, we're going to give the audience maximum impact, and then it's just like butt and leg shot right after the countdown in sort of a moment of almost silence right like the, the, the gaze this is all about the gaze right and i not in the way that work bitch or like work it from cover girl where it's like oh you know like we're gonna try to get those people on board no i mean like it's all about you looking at the booty right and i don't i don't think that at any point you stop being the viewer the observer it's your eyeballs are the cheeks that you will be displaying for everybody, not your not your uh, rear end, not your uh, not your not your 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 derriere, your derriere. That's the word I'm looking for. Well, like I don't know. Oh, gosh, I mean, well, let, let me propose a, a Star Trek solution t- to this problem. The, there's, a great, <laughs> <Why not? laughs> there's a great rule of three on uh, TV tropes, which is the famous famous fictional uh, trope. Uh, so, like in Star War, Star Trek, they will talk about uh, the great scientist Newton. Einstein and Zephram Cochran. And they'll just, you just list them off like that because, because it establishes the pattern. So they clearly need a fictional booty uh, at the end of this video to really, <laughs> to really bring it home. The third booty is the future booty that has not yet been shaken, right? <laughs> it's, the, it's the star child booty. That, like, I, is in the I, speak, I speak of the booty who is to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> the, one, you know, the one whose thong I am not worthy to snap. Uh, <laughs> you know, not a lot of people wearing thongs anymore as uh, as summer turns to as summer turns to fall. You know, you don't see a lot of bathing suits as, uh, uh, out on the beach. I'm really working this transition. Uh, I thought you were referring to the thong of a sandal. Oh no, Matt. Uh, no, no, that was the. You heard him. <laughs> I said. I like the way you make a segue. Go ahead, uh, baby. Let your booty go. Um, but the. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think you heard me. The the point, yeah, exactly, was the the quibble on thong versus the thong of a sandal versus the you know the um, item of underwear or the bikini bottom, uh, right? But uh, but bikini season is over. It's almost fall, right? Uh, the uh, the leaves are are um, the leaves will start turning, and the the heat of the summer turns to the nip in the air of fall uh you know the seasons the seasons turn and like even even these days when tv is uh kind of a year-round phenomenon and netflix releases all year round and the networks and the cable networks and all these things um are it's a 52 week a year uh sort of you know sort of enterprise now because i don't know because we've stopped going outside maybe uh we uh there are still sort of rituals pop culture rituals associated with the seasons and one is is fall tv which we're going to talk about but like it it might be fun to just kind of ring the changes on some of these you know on some of these things right like in a couple that occurred to me are like summer movie season right or like february take out the trash season where you put out the movies that are not awards contenders are not summer tent poles and yes. you just kind of want to get rid of or or, uh, I like to call that uh, I Frankenstein season. <laughs> <laughs> or um, or like Christmas. I mean, there are like holiday movies and there are, you know, there are sort of rituals of consumption, of media consumption associated with um, 
associated with, uh, you know, with the holidays, with uh, watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or watching It's a Wonderful Life or, you know, what have you, um, or, uh, you know, other things, um, uh, other things. I don't know. Are there, are there other, like, seasonal uh, media consumption or pop cultural patterns that you want to call out before we dive into fall TV? Oh, you mean like the Independence Day stuff also? (laughs) Yo, there you go. Independence Day about Independence Day. Mark, what were you saying? I interrupted you. Oh, um, the 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 month of February, and it's a lesser extent January, is not not just about take out the trash movies, but also rom-coms due to Valentine's Day. Oh, right, right, right. Love is in the air. Indeed. And of course, February is Black History Month. Um, And so is that when we saw, when did, uh, they'll actually... I don't think Lee Daniels, Daniels the Butler came out during Black History Month or Twelve Years a Slave, right? I think yeah, they can't. That was a summer movie, so you don't. That's interesting that you don't put that. Like Black History Month gets a lot of a lot of uh, talk, but you don't put Black History movies on Black History Month. You put them in the summer because people want to see them, uh, unless you want think they're going to win Oscars, in which case you put them in the fall or winter, um, so that they win Oscars because it's a rule. But yeah, yeah, that's another thing that you just brought up there in terms of seasonality of uh, pop culture consumption, right? Prestige right. movies in November and December. Right, right, right. So that you can you start with the small release, you see if they get nominated for Oscars, and then you can do an expanded release in the spring. Yeah. Right after after the uh, after all that stuff has gone down. Right. Yeah. Prestige uh, movie season. Right. It's the most Hitlerist time of the year. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so here it is, fall, and and uh, it seems like this week we're getting uh, we're getting all the new shows. Right. This. Um, yeah. Oh, one thing before we uh, switch gears to talk about uh, TV, or at least um, narrative television, right? Um, we didn't talk about sports. Oh, yeah, sports. At all, right? Um, like, oh, sure. Right, right. It's great Huey Lewis in the News album. I love it. Oh, you mean the Endeavor <laughs> of Humanity, not the Huey Lewis in the News album. Got it. <laughs> Never mind. On board. Sports. Got it. Um, I mean, like, you know, in, in this arena of overthinking it, we tend to think <laughs> that... Um, we're yeah, going to do just know, as well right. with sports puns as we did with butt puns. Yeah, uh, we, we <laughs> tend to confine ourselves to you know the sort of like narrative entertainment types of things. When like if you just think about time that Americans spend watching television of any sort, right? Live sports consumes a huge portion of that, and summer is a bit of a doldrums for it. Where after the uh, what hockey and uh, basketball playoffs tail off, there's just regular season baseball, and really, let's be honest, who watches that? Um, and then fall well, comes around, and football, 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 football. Comes. Unless you watch the Esquire Network, in which case it's 23 hours a day of American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Has you, have you guys been watching this? I probably mentioned it on the podcast before because we've been watching so much American. It's not appropriate. Someone needs to call a doctor because I've consumed a dangerous quantity of American Ninja Warrior. And it's like, it's like, oh, no, I just drank a bunch of drain cleaner. What's the 800 number I call so I can clear it out of my system? I mean, I didn't regret it while I was doing it, but after the fact, I just feel like something terribly wrong is happening. <laughs> uh, <anyway>. <laughs> sports <laughs> yeah it's i mean that's so that's so fun i mean it's of course it makes perfect sense that would that it wouldn't occur to me because i don't i don't follow sports ball but um uh, i mean yeah the most interesting time of sports here, I think, just structurally, is in the autumn when people get really psyched about football and baseball also becomes important kind of at the same time, right? Where, like, football starts – the football season in late September and into October is really getting rare up and getting going and is in full steam. And that's when people start caring a lot about baseball, even though you've had baseball all by itself all summer and people don't so much care about it then. 
you know, as much, which is just kind of interesting that sort of, I think a lot of the residual excitement around, and also the viewing patterns and like going to the bars and also the, the temperature and all that other stuff. Anyway, Matt, I interrupted you. No, I, not, not at all. I mean, it's, uh, you know, a, a conversation. That's fine. I'm not hurt. Yeah. Um, see, uh, you've got, you've got a thick, you've got a thick pig skin. Uh, 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 <laughs> that's it. I'm gonna that, get spanked for that one. Nice. Sports sports metaphor. So uh, you know, I don't know. The 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 networks are are you know. I, it seems I feel like they're coming out guns blazing, uh, Al Pacino style this uh, this year, right? Like last year, I don't remember there being as big a deal around the around the new shows on TV. But it seems like, or maybe there's just like a paucity of of news items to talk about that don't that aren't really depressing that don't involve beheadings. Um, right, so like everyone's like, oh, fall season. Let's devote column inches to that. Uh, I, I think there might there might also be some kind of just sorting happening with movie releases because I feel like for some reason this kind of end of August, early September, there's just kind of no big movie releases. And so if your job is to talk about pop culture, like for instance this podcast, you talk about TV instead <laughs> because that's what there is available to talk about. Yeah, it's nice that they've uh, that they've arranged it for us like that. Yeah, I'm looking at this this coming weekend's movies. I don't even know what last weekend's movies. The Maze Runner. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, you're beyond my depth there. Next week, Box Trolls. Um, Denzel Washington has a movie next week. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking. I'm looking ahead, and it's it is like until until prestige season. It's a it's. I don't even know what's going on here. Um, so uh, so movies. So we're gonna we're gonna link up a uh, a couple articles or an article. Uh, the big one from from Vox uh, that has great UI, great front end engineering. Uh, behind it, we have these uh, uh, fall TV lineup shows, and sort of in in the six minutes that remains in the overthinking of podcast, uh, <laughs> let's, oh, cover, no. let's cover. Let's cover exa- the booty was so big it squeezed all the other content out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, in October third, the Nicolas Cage Left Behind movie comes out. You're welcome. Oh, <laughs> You're freaking welcome, oh. Martin. Enjoy your Left Behind movie. Your prayers have been answered. Uh, 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 so because you're going to get raptured before the movie comes out. <laughs> anyway, so let's, I mean, let's talk about some of these things coming up. I mean, we, we've talked about Selfie before on this show. Uh, Mark shared some thoughts having, having seen it. Um, I hear a lot. Uh, I mean, I hear a lot about Gotham recently. Uh, you know, basically, that's the thing that I hear the most about. And uh, and Madam Secretary, I guess, is getting a uh, is getting a lot of. Uh, a lot of attention. Um, so Gotham is going to be a Fox show. It's uh, it's sort of Batman origin story. It stars um, uh, the guy uh, from the OC. Sorry, that guy from the OC. Yeah, no, no, and 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 that guy's. Let's not uh, like a. By the way, the OC is an underrated masterpiece. Uh, says the guy who did a Gossip Girl podcast for several years. Um, I didn't say anything about the rating, good or bad, of the OC. You're but the one who... He also was on the cop show, a, a procedural uh, called Southland, uh, that started on network and, and, and moved to cable because it was more of a, a niche thing and, you know, acquitted himself well on that. So it's... Um, oh, God, what's his name? It's... Uh, uh, 
and he's uh he plays a young commissioner Gordon before he's a commissioner. He plays like detective Gordon, right? Like, um, what's his name? Ben McKenzie is the actor's name, I think. And, uh, you know, and, and there is a, there's a young Bruce Wayne and it looks sort of, it looks sort of noirish and in this kind of Batman, in this kind of Batman world. But I don't know my, my, uh, my thing is like, is it not so, uh, I don't know. The thing about Agent Shield is that it kind of embraces the camp, right? Um, like it embraces the fact that you're sort of waiting just with bated breath for the thing you recognize. And then when it happens, you'll be like, yes, yes, I recognize that thing, you know? And uh, and that that's that's sort of campy, isn't it? And like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it can sustain the kind of noir tone, uh, when the whole point is like, Oh, Batman, you know, uh, what do you think? I think, I think you're putting your finger on a, a larger kind of division in the DC vision of adaptations and the Marvel vision of adaptations. Cause you see the same, you know, kind of schism between the Marvel movies and the DC movies with the, you know, the Marvel movies has a talking raccoon and a crazy 70s soundtrack. And the DC movies are just getting grittier and grittier and rebootier and rebootier um, as they go on. And it looks like maybe the TV shows uh, from the, the respective universes are, are going the same way. Um, though I, I share your concern that, that Gotham, that a TV show might not be able to pull that off mm. for a sustained series of television yeah i mean i'm just i'm just surprised these things are on network television i guess just because is is there no syndication anymore is that like because this this is the kind of show that i feel like would pop up in syndication if it happened 10 years ago well so even, i mean what do you years mean, ago. what do you mean in syndication right like oh i mean like it wouldn't be run on a network but would be run on a like a local network that doesn't sort of contract its own what do you mean what do i mean in syndication so i mean syndi- the- syndication means two things right like one is one is selling off a show for which you already have uh, selling off a show for which you already have all the episodes, right? And you sell off the right to do reruns. And I mean, there have been a bunch of, of big deals recently. One is um, uh, one is the Simpsons deal, you know. Uh, and right. and and then the whole the whole idea of the like the FX ten ninety model, um, following the Tyler Perry model with with shows like Anger Management, uh, was like, well, we're going to produce if you know if the initial order of ten meets certain ratings thresholds we're gonna just right away produce a hundred episodes bam 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 not in seasons not in anything we're just gonna make a hundred of these sell them off as a package right which sort of does the it's sort of uh it, it's uh you know i don't know it goes from a to z very very quickly with it without a lot of the drama uh, or her, or her fanfare, frankly, which is p- part of the problem with it, right? Like, because like shows that are very successful that get sold off into syndication, like have built huge, huge followings, like Friends or you know, um, big big sitcoms that that you see rerun on TBS or whatnot. Well, no, everyone's making original programming now. Um, that's one thing. Uh, the idea of like shows being in syndication, uh, like Star Trek: The Next Generation was in syndication, where it was produced by Paramount and it was it was uh, just sold off. It was not on a network. Um, and was uh, uh, just kind of sold off to uh, to different networks, and they sort of sell it market by market. Uh, that doesn't really exist anymore. Like a, because what's an independent television station anymore? They're all these. Uh, they're all 
already syndicates and and when everything's a syndicate you can't really have syndication because everything is syndicated already you know um that is sort of doesn't uh doesn't exist anymore and also sort of the the like the network wants to own everyone wants to own the the show in case that in case you know it, it has a long life uh and they can you know they can make their money right they don't want to just be no one wants to be just a distributor they want to be uh they want to be an owner um owner of the content and so you see things like uh you know the one company is the network and the studio and you know it's sold off you know the simpsons is sold from fox to fx which is fox right so um you know i so what do you mean by syndication is oh. uh, my my point is i'm just uh, my point is i'm definite i'm uh i'm defensive about my question right like what is oh, what yeah. do you mean by syndication is actually a question that has some I, I was referring to, i was referring to the model that you were describing that you say no longer exists and i believe you uh which i mean a great example is you know the universal television action pack which was sold into syndication by mca universal and played on a variety of different television networks it included such it included a series of television movies and it Included a series of television shows. Those shows included Hercules: The Legendary Journeys, Xena: Warrior Princess, Jack of All Trades, and of course, uh, epic favorite of all connoisseurs of insomnia, Cleopatra twenty five twenty five, which still brings a smile to my face every time I think about the fact that it existed. Uh, though I never puts a smile on my face to have to watch it. But uh, gosh, anyway, Cleopatra twenty five twenty five. That's that's that is uh, that is Gina Torres slumming it like. So hard. Like you can look at that show, and you can look at Gina Torres in that show, and I don't think she had done anything at that point which warranted describing that process as slumming. But it was, it was. You could tell that she was meant for better things because it felt like she was slumming so hard. But anyway, anyway, anyway. The point was, yes, action shows like. Like, there's a show, there's a Flash show coming out, right? There's two DC shows that are coming out this year. One is Gotham, one is The Flash. The Flash is on CW. Uh, CW is on, the, at least in my network, you know, in my home, net, uh, home market where I grew up, the CW is where the syndication used to be. Right. When I say syndication, I mean kind of like first stop syndication, not like rerun syndication, where you used to see Hercules or Xena or like Time Tracks or Highlander the series. You know, there would be shows that were produced by overseas companies that would be sold into these sorts of things, too. And things like and there was a Flash show in like 1990. Right. Uh, and I think that that was I think that was sold into syndication as well. Uh, and by the new one is a network show. Right. Um, is it was it sold into syndication? I'm just checking this. Uh, no, it was on CBS. Jesus Christ! I had no idea that the hopes for it were so high. It did not do quite so good. Um, but at any rate, um, yes, I'm describing that model that you talked about that doesn't exist, and thus explaining it doesn't really make much sense. Though it does, I guess I never really thought that it was over, but I guess it's over. So there you go. Um, it doesn't happen, so never mind. But the main the main upshot of it is. Since these these it is weird to look at the list of network shows for me and to see superhero shows and kind of sci-fi shows and stuff like Constantine and The Flash and Gotham as network television shows because when I grew up those kinds of things had to be done lower budget than network shows wanted to do and that's why they were either done in Canada or overseas or they were done you know in New Zealand or what have you and then were sold into syndication right uh, in the United States without airing on a U.S. network so that puts a lot of pressure on these things to do well of course we have all the comic book movies that do so well. And so, of course, it's not necessarily a surprise that we expect these things to do well, but it still seems like you're putting a lot of pressure on a concept that might be a little thin um, in terms of like Batman without Batman, right? Certainly. Um, yeah. Something else to bring up about this Gotham TV show um, is this whole issue uh, with it being very much a prequel show, right? 
um, in, in different parts, a prequel show and also an origins uh, story show for a lot of the villains. And I think we have um, had uh, issues with both of those things, prequels and origin stories. Um, not saying it's sort of a blanket uh, that they are bad things, but that um, they can be problematic for storytelling, particularly with regards to Batman and the Joker. Right. Um, this show has uh, the, the producers of the show have teased that they will reveal a Joker in the show. And it's not going to be you know, uh, sort of uh, he's not just going to come on screen fully formed, formed like he did in the Christopher Nolan movie. Um, or it's, uh, we're going to see how someone becomes the Joker. And we've talked a lot about and overthinking it about how um, one of the great things about the Dark Knight is that you don't you don't get that origin story. Uh, uh, the Joker character in that movie messes with. Uh, that idea and your expectation of it, right? Um, and so this is obviously not connected with that, uh, you know, the Christopher Nolan trilogy of things. Uh, it's, it's doing its own thing, um, but it's, uh, if I had to guess, we have might have some uh, predisposed anxiety or bias against uh, some of the storytelling things that they are doing here, so they're going to be kind of working uphill against that. At least for, for me, it will be. Hmm. And, and another interesting question is kind of what is... Gordon's arc because he it's the, the normally normally the question that's being answered in a prequel is like how did this beloved character get to be the way that they are the way that you saw them last time so you know the pre the Star Wars prequels ostensibly are about how did Darth Vader become Darth Vader how did you turn a little kid into Darth Vader and okay that's a a clear story arc uh, but with Commissioner Gordon he starts the Batman movies as like the lone good cop in a dirty department and so it'll be, I'll be interested to see in Gotham, is he, is he also the lone good cop in a dirty department? And if so, what is his arc? Like, if he starts that way, and we know he ends that way because that's what he is with Batman, does he go down and come back up? Or does he start a little dirty and get clean from there? Which would actually be an interesting show, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure we're going to get that level of, of complexity. I, my, my sense is that they're going to be focusing more on, as you said, the origins of the villains which, as I've made, I have a whole article about how these evil origin stories tend to be pretty boring. When you when you, when you peel back the layers of like you know Darth Vader's story, it's basically like something really bad happened to him, and he turned from a good guy to a bad guy overnight. Like the the one I really called out was the uh, the Oz movie, the uh, the Wizard of Oz movie. Um, which showed the prequel of the Wicked Witch, and it basically what she became wicked because she ate a golden apple that made her evil. The yeah. end. That's that's how she became evil, and that's well, not really the whole exciting. first season of Gotham is about how King Tut, as a child, had a learning disability, and they keep trying to get him to go to special tutors, but they can't get funding, and so his parents are really frustrated and sleep deprived, and they don't treat him very well, and then he has he has this vitamin B deficiency, and it's just he has go he doesn't go to the doctor because they don't have health insurance, right? And then this other kid shows up, and they kind of get along, but then they go three years later. It's sort of a fast forward, and then King Tut is like he's. He starts doing drugs to try to be cooler than this kid and break out and go to another group of people, but he still has the learning disability, so he can't. He's going to get his associates, so it cuts. So it jumps to King Tut getting his associates degree in electrics uh, from Gotham Gotham T Tech, right from GTT, uh, and uh, and he's trying to make. And then a pot falls on his head. And he becomes King Tut, the king of Egypt, right? Like, that's how it happens. Like, that's how a child becomes a villain is through, Gosh. 
Pete, it took me a, a longer than um, than I'd like to admit uh, that you're referencing King Tut, the Batman villain. Yes, King Tut, the Batman villain. Why are you talking he about King Tut? Like, oh, see, in the in the Adam West continuity, which I like to call Earth four five six, right? Like King Tut, <laughs> King Tut was an Egyptologist who had a pot fall in his head, and he became King Tut, which is an evil Egypt villain who fights Batman. Uh, but in Gotham, which is very gritty to the point where it gets in your pants, and you have to kind of shift around and it's then comfortable to ride in cars for long periods of time. King Tut is a very deeply troubled child who suffers from a series of, of kind of both cognitive and also socioeconomic problems that extend over the course. It's, it was filmed in the style of boyhood where they got a child and they shot him for 12 years uh, as he became King Tut. Uh, and at the very, very end, they drop a pot on his head and that's that's the key. And you, it's up to left up to the viewer. It's left up to the viewer to decide whether it was nature or nurture, whether it was the upbringing that the child had or the pot falling on his head that turns him into the Egypt-themed supervillain. You could uh, actually just take boyhood and then add a scene where a pot falls on his head and he becomes king. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Red Band Society is on Fox. Um, it's a uh, life-threatening, it's a disease show, teenagers with, with diseases Um and uh, and they're figuring out who they are, and maybe they're going to die. Um, uh, the cheerleader has a heart defect, and I don't know how that could possibly be a metaphor for anything. Uh, right, and uh, Octavia Spencer, who has been on, on uh, the sides of buses in Los Angeles with the caption, Scary Bitch. Um, right, it plays like a nurse who's, I guess, the enforcer or something, is like a scary bitch, uh, is a hospital nurse or doctor, and she's, uh, uh, they got in trouble for putting that, for putting scary bitch next to Octavia Spencer on the, on the thing, and, and all the city council were up in an uproar, uproar about it, um, and and uh, it's narrated by a kid in a coma who's laying there in in the ward in a coma. Um, so that's a uh, I mean that's a thing, right? Red Red Band Society, uh, good looking good looking teenagers, uh, good looking teenagers with illness. Um, I, it sounds very nineteenth century to me. Sounds very like you know sounds very like a consumptive Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge to me. Mm-hmm. Lady Marmalade. They didn't just have two people. They added more. (laughs) Missy Elliott should be the third person in the booty song. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) She should make a comeback. (laughs) Hey, are you guys going to watch Bad Judge? I'm going to watch Bad Judge. Thursdays at 9. Nothing. Thursdays at (laughs) 9. <laughs> served up She's a such whole a day. bad judge. It's just about a judge. He just is like, all right, the objection sustained. Wait, they didn't specify what the objection was. What? Wait, hold on. Wasn't the hearing supposed to start at 845? Why did you guys start? Wait, Ben, what do you think the show a bad judge is about as somebody who would know what a bad judge would actually do? What do well, bad judges actually do? So, so the, the, the fundamental problem with this show is that, like, if you have, like, the story of, like, a bad you know, de- bad defense attorney because he plays by his own rules. That's kind of fun because that's his job is to like, you know, go as hard as he can for his client. The problem with the show about a bad judge is that that makes them a bad judge. And no one wants to see a show about a judge that is bad at their job. It's just depressing. Like, like if she's like sentencing a 14-year-old, you know, juvenile and is like, I'm going to play by my own rules and send you to prison for 10 years. Like nobody wants to see that. Yeah. 
So I, I have issues. That's why we have mandatory minimums, and we send the 14-year-olds to prison for 35 years oh. to life. Okay, here's one. She hooks up with witnesses in, uh, in her chambers. Um, <laughs> See, that's a fundamental problem. Like, you be overturned on appeal. <laughs> Is there going to be another show called Overturned on a Bad Judge Overturned on Appeal? Is there going to be like a whole series of other shows like NCIS or like CSI, where instead of like CSI New York, it's like Bad Judge going to people's houses and apologizing. Well, bad Judge like turning things over on appeal. Like well, Bad says, Judge ethics hearings. Like, it says here that she's, I think, the a judge in L.A., so it, it would be Bad Judge Sacramento because <laughs> Presumably that's where the appeals would go. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. It's uh, the California Supreme Court is in San Francisco due right. to a strange historical fluke, which <laughs> yeah. is basically that the Supreme Court in the 1800s didn't like living in Sacramento because there was enough rum. So they, moved, <laughs> so they just kind of unilaterally moved to San Francisco. And you know what? There's no other branch of government that could check that kind of bold action. Oh, yeah. No, the California legislature tried, and the Supreme Court <laughs> said that the California legislature doesn't have that power. <laughs> 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 that it was unconstitutional. Yeah, no, right, exactly. Bad Judge Ninth Circuit. Bad Judge exactly. Eighth Circuit. Yeah. Bad Judge Bad Seventh Judge Family Circuit. Court. Bad Judge Family. Neither of you Bad Judge Night State. Court, you guys. So if we're talking about government, we have to talk about the trend of women in high positions and national security trying to have it all because we have at least two shows that that fit this mold we have uh Taylor leone and madam secretary uh, about a secretary of state and we have let me see on that's on sunday nights and on tuesday nights i want to say uh yeah tuesday nights oh no sorry it's something else well, some other night uh we have uh, Catherine Heigl night, guys. In, I have Monday night. Pardon me. Monday night is uh, <laughs> Catherine Heigl in State of Affairs. Yes, Catherine uh, Heigl's long-awaited return to the television. America's most beloved actress to <laughs> on television for so long. No, not so much. Oh, oh let's Catherine not Hagel. let's not hate on Catherine Heigl. No. She's going to bring a very nice bottle of wine and offer an apology, and we're going to welcome her back with open arms, just like Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. So <laughs> I never watched Grey's Anatomy. Was it good? Can that be our podcast next week? Was Grey's Anatomy good? I don't. Remember. I didn't watch it. I don't like doctor shows. I worked in a hospital for a year as an admissions officer to the there, medical school. The, the only episode I ever saw was an episode, a very good episode where Kyle Chandler played a bomb squad technician called on to uh, dispose of a bomb that had been lodged inside a patient's body. Oh it, man, it was pretty good because it was Coach. You know, you got to love Coach. <laughs> can, can I just say I I liked uh, I liked this show better when it was called Covert Affairs and it had Piper Parabo from Coyote Ugly in it. Yeah, Covert yeah. Affairs is a good show. Yeah. I like Covert, Covert Affairs. Yeah. yeah, it has a good balance of tone. Like it, the action sequences have tension. the The plots were pretty interesting. Like I enjoyed the four or five episodes of Covert Affairs that I've watched. And by the way, I think I, I mean I think just based on some of the some of the shots that they get, I think maybe they they actually shoot it overseas instead of shooting it all like in Toronto or something. State of Affairs? Yeah, or? Uh, no, no, no. Covert Affairs. Covert Affairs. Okay. Yeah, no, no. You got to keep your affairs straight, Pete. Are they in – is there affairs averse, like an internally contiguous place? Like is covert affairs and state of affairs, are they taking place in the same universe? You know, if someone like, wanted to write that article, we would publish it on Overthinking It. <laughs> in fact, if 100 different people each sent us that article, we would publish all of them in this cubist combination that <laughs> separates all, all knowledge and structure from uh, – well, 
what if what if I wanted my undergraduate class to write essays on the affairs of Earth and have them sent to Pete Fenzel? Would that would that be acceptable? You know, I think you'd have to man- have some sort of bad judge mandate that because <laughs> I don't think. I would... <laughs> and it, it's worth noting that there is also a show on Showtime called The Affair, which starts okay. on <laughs> October twelfth. <12th. laughs> I want right. to watch Utopia and see people yell at each other. Okay, that's all I want to say. Uh, what TV shows are you the most excited about? Put, uh, you know, sound off in the comments on the show notes for this episode. Let us know um, on uh, you know, and and uh, if you have anything to say about booties, uh, about who the third person should be in the booty video, um, about the fall TV schedule, about shows that you like or don't like, uh, you can email us at podcastoverthinkingit.com. Call or text the phone number that no one ever calls or texts two zero three two eight five six four zero one, except when someone does. Or uh, leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. Remember, uh, the book club is starting up again soon with Final Fantasy VI. And uh, there is a post on the homepage of Overthinking It where you can see all about that. Uh, subscribe to the book club podcast because it's a separate feed from this one. Uh, and get all ready. Start playing Final Fantasy VI so that you are good to go with the source material when it's time to... Uh download the podcast and you can also uh subscribe to the overthinking it newsletter where there uh you will get uh a weekly exclusive overthinking overthinking that you cannot find anywhere else and if you don't get it uh you will not have all the overthinking that there is there will be more overthinking and you don't have it so don't be left out subscribe today uh, and you can find that on the homepage of overthinking.com. This is the Overthinking Podcast, and we'll be back next week. Till then, you can visit us on the web at, guess where, Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. I had a con that don't want none, unless he got bought none. Maybe Harvey Firestein should have been the uh, should have been the third person. And big booty. She's got a big booty. Guys, I know we're all having a fun time, but you got to remember, all good things must come to an end. And. <laughs>